What's going down, podcast listener? Welcome back to the Symbiosis Now podcast. I'm Tyler Colombero, and I'm the host of the show. And on this show, we like to have a good conversation. Every episode, guaranteed. All in hopes of inspiring you to get out there and have your own open conversations with a friend, a family member, or maybe even your enemy. Each episode, we star a special guest where we have an in-depth, action-packed, often intellectual, spiritual, practically psychedelic, and all-inclusive types of conversation. And we have a good fucking time with it. So folks, you can find us online where the Symbiosis Now Network, where there's some links to the podcasts, plural podcasts, because we have a couple others underneath the network blanket. And without further ado, let us voyage into the yonder of conversation with our very special guest on the Symbiosis Now podcast. We got Bradley Gonzalez here, the man, the myth, the legend. Super excited to talk to him. He's been on the podcast, what, two, three times before Bradley? And he's an historian. He's got a bachelor's yeah. in historianness from Fresno State. What's your actual degree in, Bradley? My degree from Fresno State is a bachelor's in history. Wow. So a true historian. Yes, a true historian. You could call me the lore master. The lore master. We shall call you the lore master, Bradley. No, dude, we've had you on before. So anybody listening right now is like, dude, Bradley, like he knows his shit because you do. And I'm super excited to talk to you about some stuff, especially some stuff that's out of the Middle East kind of area, Ukraine, Russian area. What's up with that shit going on right now? What's the what's the haps with the craps, bro? I don't understand. They're fucking gambling over there. I feel like there's a lot of warmongering, and it's literally a proxy war. Oh, yes, you could get your bond dollar that, so... Okay, so I have a computer with me right now since we're doing this over the phone. So I have tons of access to some information regarding, you know, what's popping in Russia, Ukraine, and the rest of the world pretty much. For sure. Okay, so I'm trying to see, you know, some new developments on the BBC website, which is a British news company, by the way, so... So recently, we just got some footage of a Russian jet crashing into a drone from the United States over the Black Sea area. Right, which we've I'm sure anyone listening's heard of. They're blowing it up. They're talking about the drone that got shot down by Russia. A drone has been harassed by Russian soldiers. Like, you know, it's like all this bullshit, but it's not bullshit. But you know what I mean? They're hyping it up. So what actually happened? What the fuck? Okay, so so usually, you know, the United States likes to perform recon missions in international waters from a safe distance so they wouldn't intrude on, you know, other countries' territories and whatnot. So sometimes, you know, we get harassed by Russian jets or Chinese or Iranian planes and stuff like that, too. Right. So on Tuesday... One of our drones was in the Black Sea area, you know, just to perform recon, just to make sure, you know, see what's popping, what's going on. So this is according to the United States, okay? Right. It's obviously um, a biased point of view, right? Yeah, there are like two points of views here. We're gonna, I'm also going to discuss like the Russian perspective on what happened. So Awesome. Yeah, so according to us... 
we were just in the Black Sea, an international airspace, you know, away from, you know, Russian airspace, obviously. However, a Russian jet just comes in, okay, and starts harassing the drone, which is unmanned, by the way. It's probably being remote controlled somewhere else, so. But I thought the drones did the harassing. The drone, I, no, I was talking about how we pilot drones from, like, somewhere else because, you know, they're, like, unmanned. Right. Yeah, so. No, I'm joking. I'm just saying, like, it's funny because don't <laughs> drones do the harassing? Like, they're the ones that, they're the, they literally are unmanned. They fucking, oh, their job God. is to harass people and bomb people and do it, like, at all costs, even if it gets shot down. So I'm joking, but it's just so funny to hear the narrative on the news, the mainstream news, talk about how the Russians were harassing a, a U.S. drone. But it's like, bro, I'm pretty sure the drone harassed them probably. Why the fuck was it over the Black Sea near Russia? You know? Yeah. I mean, I mean remember, we do this, these reconnaissance missions all the time, though. So Right. So it's very common, too. Like, that's that's part of the story that we're not getting. That It's like, you know, like, every day this kind of shit happens, like... They're flying over yeah. something. They're doing some kind of re recon. Yeah, and this is what the Russian jet did, apparently. So so it goes extremely close, and it starts pissing out fuel on it. That's so weird. Yeah, it's just dumping fuel, and then it freaking crashes into one of the, one of the propellers, and then the jet just flies away. And apparently that crash causes caused so much damage to the drone that we had no choice but to take it down by ourselves. Like, like say, like whoever's controlling the drone just just had to was probably ordered because of how damaged the drone was to just sink it, just pile it down into the water just to sink it because it was so damaged beyond repair from being, you know, smacked by a Russian jet. Right, and l instead of letting it like just fall out onto the land or something somewhere and try to make it back, yeah, I get what you I mean. mean. Remember, this is the Black Sea, like you know, it's all ocean. So, so technically, it wasn't even downed though. Then is what you're kind of saying, like the the drone wasn't actually downed via like a fucking rocket, boo, into the drone. It was more like they were fucking with it somehow. And then it yeah, was damaged, but so it was like, damaged. oh, well, we're going to take our own drone down because it, it's yeah, dangerous now. Yeah, the drone out of its misery right there. Yeah, right, 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 right. Okay, and they actually released footage, video footage of it just today, too. It's, okay, I'm about to watch the footage right now on my computer. Oh, dang, there's an advertisement. Fucking ads. Yeah. Yeah, I wish, you know, you could see this, too, though. I mean, it... I mean, it's on the BBC website, but you can find this footage everywhere, though, so. Right. <laughs> no, for sure. You could YouTube fucking anything. You could Google. Okay. All right, so I'm watching the footage, and yeah, this is from the perspective of the drone, and they showed a Russian jet dumping fuel, and it looks like a bunch of steam coming out of its rear. Okay, I see the propeller. It's the propeller of the drone. Wow. Okay. Propellers are intact still. And then, oh yeah, the jet's coming again toward the drone, and it's getting closer, still dumping fuel. Like, it's, it looks like steam is... And then the video feed just drops, and the video feed returns, and now the propeller's off, screwed up. 
So basically, the video feed cuts off when the jet rams into the propeller of the drone. That's kind of interesting. Do you think that was intentional? Like, is there some kind of miss, some foul play where they took some part of the footage out? Or do you think it just got literally got smashed and it, like, made the video skip for a while? Well, it is possible because considering this is, like, a found footage, though, if you were, like, carrying, you were carrying a camera and you get hit by something, you know, what happens to your camera, you know, is about to shake and kind of cut off for a bit until you pick it back up or something. I mean, I'm sure you've seen movies like Cloverfield or Blair Witch Project and what whatnot, so. Right, for sure. No, for sure. It's funny you bring up movies, though, because earlier I was watching some news segment about this U.S. drone strike thing that the Russians, they're making it seem like the Russians did a drone strike on U.S. territory, but it's like that's not what happened. Like, they're almost making, they're blown out of proportion. The fear mongers, the war mongers that be are definitely blowing it out of proportion. Say what you will, but I know that that's for sure what I was seeing. Yeah, and it was so funny because they're comparing it to like a scene out of Top Gun, a scene out of a movie, bro. Like why the fuck would you compare that as a journalist to Top Gun? Like I kind of get it, but like I don't get it because why? Because that's the closest that most American people have seen to like actual battle in the air. Like it's so funny, but we got to talk about it with reality, not fiction. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, there are, like, a bunch of armchair generals on, like, social media and even some politicians talking about, oh, we should have shot that jet down. That would never happen under, under Ronald Reagan or anything. Yeah, and the Clintons are clapping, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, but, uh -huh. but a lot of analysts and even some of the higher-ups in the military say that this was likely a rogue pilot, Russian pilot, and it was wasn't really... Like, it was probably, like, unintentional from the Russians themselves, so. Yeah, Although right, like, they were just. I that the way the pilot acted was very unusual, too, though, so. Right. And now let's go to the Russian perspective, because, you know, we obviously can't agree about what actually happened. So, so, so I'm reading the same article here on BBC, and it says, Russia denies this version of events and blames a crash on a, quote, sharp maneuver performed by the drone. Moscow also denies that any of its jets were damaged. Russian officials, officials said the drone was flying with its communication transponders turned off and that it had violated restricted airspace. After being summoned to speak to officials, officials in Washington, Russian ambassador to the United States Anatoly Antonov said Moscow saw the drone incident as a, quote, provocation. Right. And now I'm seeing this map on the BBC website of, you know, the area of the Black Sea. And the entire Black Sea is shaded in a color that represents international airspace. And the red is places under Russian control which is you know most of east ukraine and the crimean peninsula and apparently you know according to the russians too we were flying that drone a bit too close to crimea because that's you know what the ukrainians want to retake from the russians right 
And like for those that maybe don't know their geography for shit, which is kind of me included. That's why I had to Google it literally while Brad's talking to know where the fuck the Black Sea is because we talk about this. We hear it on the news. Like they downed a drone in the Black Sea. Those racist sons of bitches. They named it the Black Sea. They take it over the edge, you know? And like it's so funny though because the Black Sea is right next to Ukraine and Russia. Like it's literally connecting them in the bay there. Yes, that is correct. So it's so crazy geographically for us to act like, how could this happen? But it's like, bro, you're fucking flying a drone, a U.S. drone, which is like, no offense. Like, we're talking, we're in Asia and Europe, bro. We're in Eurasia. We're not in the United States, but there's a United States drone. Just why? Even even if there was not that much provocation or whatever the fuck they were saying, the reality is, is it's so strange that that drone was there other than like you said they do daily recon missions and blah 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 but why the fuck is it there right next to everything then i kind of think that like it's interesting to watch this play out as a as a citizen that lives in like california with a dude accent watching the news and watching the war ramp up bro and almost keep feeding the the mass public these ideas that we're going to war, get it in your head, we're going to war, we gotta hate Russia and, and China because they're gonna team up, we gotta go to war, almost like we're trying to start a war. Kind of reminds me of like in 2020 where everyone was pushing for a civil war and most of those guys were actually FBI fucking informants telling their people that we gotta start a war, we gotta go in there. You know, it sounds awfully similar to to another scenario about 20 years ago when we went to fucking Iraq and first we went to Iraq and Iran and we didn't know what the fuck we were doing there. We thought it was Afghanistan we were after. Which is it? You know, and so we here we are 20 years later. Oh, man, we shouldn't have went into that war, but we hurried into that war because we wanted revenge and we thought that's what we were getting. And we thought that they had weapons that were going to kill everyone else on the planet. So we went in there. But then those weapons weren't even there. So now here we are. Oh, well, the U.S. drone was shot down by Russia. Well, you know, it wasn't really shot down by Russia a week later, you know. But but it was kind of, you know. And it was because the U.S. was poking around in a place where they probably shouldn't fucking be. They were in an airspace they shouldn't fucking be. Like, even, it's just so funny to watch this play out as a normal human being and be like, bro, can't you guys see this? Like, they're clearly trying to promote war. Someone's trying to make money. They're trying to prod us to go, yeah, we got to go. Because once we want to go, we'll go. Like, I think people don't realize that. Like, once we're down to go, we'll go. Just like in World War II, we, wanted, we didn't want anything to do with it. You know, for a long time. We, we were just like, ah, like, we don't really need anything to do with this. We're just supplying the war. We don't want to fight. But eventually, you hit fucking Pearl Harbor and shit. Oh, okay, I guess yeah. we're down to fucking go now. And I'm not saying that was an inside job, Pearl Harbor. I'm saying, though, that that was the motivation to finally say, you know what, fuck that. And so it really just yeah. takes, at this point, if someone were to do something on American soil, we would be like, fuck that, we're going. We, it, I yeah. feel like that's the next move. I, I'm scared, kind of scared, but I don't like to, like, fear monger or, like, think about pessimistically about what's going to happen here. I just think that there's something going on there, bro. It's fucking eerie to me that I've seen play out multiple times in my small life. Yeah, and you know that reminds me too of what happened last November when, when the Russians launched a huge ass volume of missiles at Ukraine in retaliation for some border attacks that you know may or may not have been the Ukrainians, and a missile actually hit a part of East Poland and killed two people by accident. Yeah, right. 
Do you, um, do you do you remember hearing about that about a strike yes. missile landing in Poland and killing two people in the east side near Ukraine? Yeah, and and I remember it being a huge discussion because it's like if you fuck with Poland though, like don't don't forget when you fuck with Poland now things change because now you're connecting too close to fucking France and all this other shit and you're really in Europe now. So like, and yeah. they're they're part of the EU or whatever the fuck, right? So like, that's the yeah, that's the issue, in, right? Like, I get what you're saying. Like, I remember hearing about that. That was like a month ago, maybe? In November, actually. Okay. And and, and it kind yeah. of was like a big deal, and then it wasn't anymore. But I think yeah, it's because it didn't get enough people riled up. And I think that's why some of these things kind of, they go away, you know? And I really think we're amidst the fog of war. This is when it really sets in. It's like the Thule fog. Anybody that's from the Central Valley knows. The Thule fog. They call it the Thule fog because it's literally a fog that falls on the ground. It's so fucking dense and thick that it's very unique to the area and the geography that we're in where the Thule Lake was, which it's no longer there. So they call it the Thule Fog because of geographically where we are and the weirdness of the perfect climate, the perfect storm of which that fog can get so dense and be a very specific, unique, thick, scary fog. Yeah, and the reason why I like to add is the reason why you know that story faded is because it turns out that you know after some consultations and some research it turns out that that missile was actually a ukrainian defense missile that missed a russian missile and yeah basically the ukrainians lost a missile at poland by accident right yeah and you know i remember seeing a bunch of reactions saying oh my gosh this is this is it, folks. This is World War Three, and you have, you know, a bunch of Polish and Estonian and Lithuanian and Latvians going, yeah, you know, this is it. We gotta go fuck them up. Excuse my language. So, because, no, you know, please Poland say that. And you know, the Baltic states, you know, really don't like Russia because of you know some animosity, you know, from history and you know conquest and whatnot. Right, and if if they're attacked or they feel backed in a corner, they're down to pat, they're down to fucking beat their chest over it and fight, bro. It's kind of scary, you know. Yeah, which and is a good thing. Which is a good thing. I'm not saying like people shouldn't stand up for themselves. Obviously, it's just like yeah. yo, like to what point are we starting fucking World War Three here? Slowly, like we can see the dominoes falling. Don't you think? I mean, you're the fucking historian. But am I wrong? Like, the two world wars we've already had, most wars, have a lot of things in common. And I feel like that's what, what I've been trying to explain on, on my average-ass point of view is we keep on being in this situation where we're getting pushed towards war and we can't see it. Yeah. Maybe I this mean, is the Thule fog of war? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it may seem like that, but personally, you know, we may have some close calls or some heated moments but i don't think it'll ever end up going to a global war or anything considering that you know i'm sure the russians know this and even we know this that any war fought against two nuclear superpowers is bound to end very badly probably resulting in the defeat of both sides right i would like to think that we are smart enough to see that too but we also undercut our own health and well-being for the dollar so if there's a bunch of people out there that need to make that money, and they make money off a of war, and that's one of the only industries that will stand, even in the face of like a depression or whatever, oh, we'll, we'll ramp up for war. We, we don't have any money. Oh, but we got money to send weapons across the world. You know, that's what we're constantly in, that scenario. And I kind of feel like the longer we're juggling all these fucking 
fucked up ways to look at war and then not thinking about the real repercussions, I think it'll happen really fast. And it's already been happening fast. I mean, a year, we've already basically been in a proxy war, right? Like it's already been over a year and, 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 and it's essentially, it's a war. The Ukrainian dudes are fucking fighting and dying, bro. This shit's real. And I don't know, man. I'm, I get what you're saying, but I feel like we look the other way for the dollar. We look the other way all the time to make another buck. And those people that are in the big business of war, like bombs, whatever, whatever the fuck, drones, more drones. Oh, we need another drone. They shot a drone down. We need another one to replace it. Let's get 10, you know, and we'll make the taxpayers pay for it because the Department of Defense has a shit ton of money. But the longer we look the other way, I do think we'd sell ourselves out. We're literally in trillions of billions of dollars of debt. We've clearly sold out. We, we have no reverence for paying back our credit anymore. We're down to live on credit morally. I feel like we're living on moral credit in the modern world. And I think that it just takes a little bit of grease and a little bit of fire and a little bit of a little push. And we're down to get into war, bro. It's scary. I don't want to go fight some Russian dude. That's all I got to say. But if we do, I got your back, bro. Yeah. I mean, it may seem scary, but personally, I don't really think it's going to amount to much. I mean, I'm sure there are still some liberal heads in both sides of, you know, the world and stuff. Yeah. Thank you for saying yeah, that. And, yeah. And going back to, you know, the whole thing about doing recon missions, like that's like I said, that stuff happens all the time. Like it happens all the time in the in the U.S. and Russian border, you know, between Alaska and Siberia all the time. Uh huh. And every couple of weeks you have like jets. Russian jets going too close to Alaska and we have to intercept them or sometimes over the Baltic Sea you have you know either uh, like a European US plane getting too close and we get intercepted by Russians and even happens with the Chinese too especially how sometimes Japanese and Russian planes fly over the Sea of Japan, and Japanese jets have to intercept them, and even South Korean jets have to intercept them too. Right, it's just a matter if we're paying fucking attention or not, because often we're not paying attention. Like, we, we, you and I, and the average man, is not, like, watching what's happening in the air. Like, the Pentagon does that shit. Like, you know, like, they, these, they have all these sensors and all these people stationed around the world and embassies and everything to pay attention to that shit. But you and I, we, we, we don't have direct access to, like, monitoring um, uh, re recon mission. You know what I mean? Like, but we do have maybe access to, like, weather um, in across yeah. the country in the world or, like, geography. But we're not seeing in real time, like, those kind of things. We can monitor maybe, like, the evapotranspiration of a field in another country. But we, we don't have – you and I don't have access, though, to, like – recon missions and watching them in real time like wouldn't that be epic though if everything was a live feed to where you could literally like tap into reality in real time and there'd just be a drone watching it so you could see it live feed real in real time oh, yeah. so like I we mean, it'd I be like the uh, the true eye in the sky would always be watching and it we could find a way to tap into that eye in the sky we would basically not be god but we'd be the eye of horus now basically we'd be seeing reality in real time but we wouldn't be there I mean, that would be fucking sick. And then we could monitor what the fuck the military is doing. We re we would really know for ourselves on either side or whatever nation is talking shit. But, of course, there's this... We don't have that. So there's this big margin for error. And I feel like that's where we fall a lot, you know? 
but I'm so glad that you brought up the positive kind of less pessimistic view that it won't amount to much. But the reality is, is it still amounts to a lot because people die. We're sending a shit ton of money. So we're all dying here. We were already in a bad spot. Now everyone's all going crazy over money and we're just sending more money across the seas to fucking fix shit that we can never fix. We can never even put a bandaid on, but I, I'm not, I don't, I would, wouldn't think that we would do nothing about it either. Right. So I fall somewhere in the middle. I'm not an extremist, but I'm definitely not a forever warist. So I like to like say that clearly. And I think that a lot of people deep down are the same. They need to say it clearly that they're not into war because the more that we're kind of like, Oh, you know, it's not too bad. I don't really care. It's kind of like what happened in Iraq. We didn't really care. We're down to, you know, our friends to go, but then they get there. And then they fucking hate it. It's all sissified. They're not actually fighting anyone anymore. That's what I heard how it went. Okay. It was time we pulled out of that fucking hole. Because we weren't doing anything anyways. In, in Af Afghanistan and Iraq. But hindsight's twenty twenty. You know. At, once we get into something. It, we can't back out tomorrow. You know. And, and it's so scary because. I think the, the longer this has gone on, people are like apt to just being like, yeah, fuck Russia or fuck one side or the other. They're down to go to war over it. It's just scary because I don't like that rhetoric because not everyone's down for that. You know, yeah. joking about it is one thing. Discussing it's one thing. But like when you're kind of like, you know, you're, you're part of the narrative and you don't realize like if, if Russian um, intelligence was looking at the American people, which I'm sure they are, it's, there's a lot of anti-Russian sentiment in their average daily talk, you know, and yeah. it's kind of scary because it kind of has, yeah. and it has extreme, extreme, uh, what's it called? Uh, radicalized the American people into anti-Russian be behaviors. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's been like that for like years, like throughout history. Now you're right though, Especially because you're totally right. You've, you sent me things over decades old, like Yuri Bezmenov talking about shit with the, the Soviet Union, United States. You're right, bro. Yeah. It's been an inner, inner, an inner connected conflict for a long time. Yeah, yeah, and I know over in Russia, you know, they feed their people a lot of anti-American, anti-West sentiment as well. Like I'm on my computer right now, about to log, about to go onto RT, which is the Russian new one of the Russian state-sponsored news agencies. Which, which used to be to... live on TV, and you could find it on the YouTube for a while, right? Am I wrong? YT or RT? RT, yeah. Which I was mean, like Russian television or whatever, and it was like literally like the Young Turks would come on there. Am I wrong? Well, I mean, RT gets anybody who has at least some form of skepticism toward the United States, whether it be like they'd be like super right-wing or even super left-wing. Like they know uh -huh. how to appeal to both sides right. of the spectrum like that. Oh, That's how Russian, you know, propaganda, as we'd call it, works very well. Right. They're good at it, huh? What's going down, podcast listener? I imagine that you drive a car when you're out and about. You might even have a motorcycle, per se. And I think that most people that live in the society we live in have a home of some sort. On those things, do you have insurance? That is my question to you. And if you do not, it seems like it's time to get you some. What are you doing out there listening to a podcast? Because if you are, at the same time simultaneously, you could be calling Alfredo Vargas over at Academy West Insurance. 
to provide you with top-notch service. Give them a call at 559-638-3800. Do you not have a license? That doesn't seem to be a problem. He can set you up. Do I know how? I have no idea, but he can set you up. He claims to know. Are you anything like me? And when you were younger, got into some trouble, had a DUI, and needed an SR-22 insurance? Maybe? I hope not. But if you do, Alfredo Vargas over at Academy West Insurance can set you up with a free SR-22. You can find Alfredo looking sharp in the suit on 998 North Manning Avenue in Reedley, California. Or you can give him a jingle down there at the shop at 559-638-3800. Be sure to tell him that you heard about him on the Symbiosis Now podcast and he will set you up ASAP with all your insuring needs. Thank you, Alfredo, for sponsoring the podcast. And now let's get back to the show, folks. Check this one out. Okay, so basically this article is talking about, you know, how the foreign minister, one of the foreign, the spokeswoman, uh, Maria Zakharova, of the foreign ministry in Russia is like talking shit on the United States trying to blackmail the Swiss into, you know, not being neutral and the whole Ukraine thing and stuff like that. Basically, you know, it's just it's basically summing up, you know, we're just, you know, saying a bunch of negative stuff about the United States. Like, I mean, if you go to the website right now, you find like a bunch of, you know, opinion pieces and articles that have a very anti-American slam. Like it's been like this for like years though, you know, as long as RT has been a thing. Literally, I'm on Google, type in RT. I'm clicking the RT link. The first thing at the top of the page is none other than U.S. Air Force reveals status of down drone. Pentagon releases video of doomed drone chased by Russian jet. And then you have the Russian oil and gas production to shrink. You have another article about Israel nearing a civil war. And you have another one. Oh, there's this article that says Biden recalls gay epiphany. Right. So, like, everything about it is, like, kind of slandering the United States. And I remember, actually, there was one day where I was, like, fucking 20, maybe. Maybe, like, 18, 19. And I remember seeing Joe fucking Rogan on RT doing an interview with a weird fucking hat on. I bet you can find that clip out there, people. And I remember also thinking, I think I saw Roseanne Barr on that shit before. So clearly it's people that are like outspoken about problems in our homeland here in the United States. But it doesn't make those people pro-Russian or necessarily like in cahoots with Russian uh, propaganda. But people will get used by any media company to to develop their own narrative, right, Uh, in the bigger picture. And I think that's yeah. why people like Joe Rogan, Roseanne Barr don't even bother with that shit anymore. Like, if you notice, they don't ever go on any of that stuff anymore. And I think it's because it's pointless. They know that they're being used as a as a pawn, yeah. even though they have a good opinion. Maybe they're being used as a pawn on the chessboard, just to to show some narrative and get the people that like them on board, and then that's it. You know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, this is how you know the stuff works, right? For you know, Russian propaganda, as we call it here, because because over in Russia, it's not really propaganda; it's just 
oh, this is the truth about the Americans. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and you must believe. Hey, that's like that music video you sent me, bro, by, uh, what's his name, Tim Tam or some shit? Uh, uh, Tamati. Tamati, and the song is My called best friend, is Putin. best friend Putin. You guys got to Google that right now. Yeah. Best so, friend Putin. Yeah. And this motherfucker, I, I had to watch it like twice because Bradley sends me funny shit all the time, listener, right? He's the man. He'll send me shit on Instagram. Funny shit, cool shit, deep yeah. shit, shit we need to talk about. And one of these things recently was a music video of this dude like putting on a Putin mask and he's like rapping. It's kind of cool. It's kind of American-esque, honestly, but it's in another language. They're like flipping, yeah. flipping BMX bikes and skateboarding and shit and riding jet skis and going to the bar. And it looks like this super luxurious um, uh, lie, this fictional storyline of this way this guy lives on a daily basis that's rapping on the camera. But that's what we do in America. Like we hype up scenarios. The rappers always look super balling, even if they're literally just renting the place. They don't own that house. Like, you know what I mean? They don't own the car. They don't own these bitches. They all rented it all. They paid for it all. No one else would be there if there wasn't any money involved. Like, you know, paying for it. So same thing. But in Russia, you got these dudes rapping and shit. And I was kind of confused because yeah. I thought, why is he calling Why is he calling Putin his best friend in this music video, right? So these are Russian dudes rapping about Russian uh, about Putin being their best friend. And I was confused because I was like, yo, like, is this cynicism? Is this like... They don't like Putin, actually, and they're, like, saying fucking down with Putin. And I was like, but why is it so luxurious? It's not like – it doesn't look hard. It doesn't look like like we're about to burn buildings and fucking go assassinate him. It looks more like we're going to fucking praise him and look at how good it is here. Look at how we're balling. We, we could drink and like party and we can ride jet skis, you know? And, and, and when I watched it the second time, I was like, dude, that's what this is because I had to ask Bradley, is this pro or – or con Russia like I don't understand and he was like it's pro so then I'm watching it again and I'm like dude it is dude he's literally I don't know what he's saying but he's clearly they're clearly glorifying Russia and that's okay right we all want to glorify our own shit but making it look like we're not amidst a war like look at what we can do we can drink and party and look at what we have freedoms like they're almost selling this false sense of freedom through these music videos which happens here in the, in the states as well but we claim to be a free country Russia doesn't really right I mean, well, the Russians like to claim, also claim that they're like the greatest country in the world. And they're cool, and that, but they're not that great. Just like we're cool, but we're not the greatest, dude. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, no country in the world is really great, though. I think it's all perspective. Ethiopia honestly. was fucking the greatest when they were producing coffee beans the, before the rest of the world was. But then what happened? You know what I mean? Then the rest of the world fucking grows it in the Amazon basin and shit. Like, what the fuck is going on? You know? But yeah, anyways, I mean, are you watching the video right now, though? No, are you? The well, music video? I have it ready to play on YouTube. I don't know if we can hear it or not, and it, and even if we can, the per, the listener can't see it. So I would just recommend them looking it up, and Bradley's gonna do like a little play by play on like what the fuck he's seeing. But it's it's a bench, basically it's a music video of Russian propaganda. But of course, you would never look at it like it's pro, it's propaganda because you're in Russia, right? Or yeah, market, marketing at the very least. I mean, that's what we do here in the States, though. It's just very uh, non-American. It's really Russian-esque. 
Yeah, so I'm gonna My best friend Putin, right? Yeah. So Abby, can you hear it? No. Through the phone? No. Oh, I mean, basically, you know, the song is, you know, basically rush basically pro Putin propaganda like talking about how great Putin is and I mean this video was released seven years ago so oh no shit yeah and the thing about this rapper Timothy is that you know he's like super you know he loves Putin though he's like his best friend he like takes pictures with him and stuff and everything oh so T-I-M-A-T-I Timothy yeah best friend Putin and it's old you're right it was released like eight years ago. Yeah. Seven, eight years and ago. This, yeah. And the thing about this rapper is that, you know, he makes a bunch of, you know, bunch of propaganda for like Putin and Russia. Like he makes other non-propaganda music too, though. Right. And I'm sure it's kind of like Hollywood, right? Like how Hollywood was used by the federal government in the United States often to push messages into the public sphere. But now it's so many different outlets. You don't need just one city anymore. You know, being blackmailed by Harvey Weinstein. Now you can just move to fucking Austin, Texas and do it there, right? Like, <laughs> I'm joking, but everyone else is moving out. And it's funny because Hollywood ain't at, will never be what it was. But it's so crazy that yeah. it had such a stronghold on the fucking world's balls for so long. But this yeah. this guy, Tamati, is like another example of if you were in Russia... Um, they have their own like Hollywood and this is one of their guys. Like this is one of their celebs that connects with the people. Right. And he can say things to them and they'll listen kind of right. And they'll like his music. Just like if, uh, if, uh, what's a good example, Drake or something in the music videos talking about working hard and balling and buying gold chains. It makes everyone want to go think that that's normal and they want to go buy gold chains and ball out and feel hard. But this guy's talking about pro-Russian shit like Putin's the man and we love him. We like to suck Putin's dick and they're like, yeah, let's suck Putin's dick. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I just take it to an extreme, huh? But I'm not an extremist, folks. Yeah. I promise. No, anyways... (laughs) Yeah, so the thing about Tamadi is that he's actually also an entrepreneur. Like, he opens his own burger restaurants and his own coffee shops all over Russia. Like, that's a very yeah. uh, consu- that's a very capitalist thing to do. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's ain't the Soviet Union anymore, you know. They ain't right. communists, you know. They are more open to capitalism, kind of like how, while China is open to capitalism, except China is still communist, though, so. I get you, kind of. Things have evolved. Right. Yeah, and 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 ever since the Starbucks pulled out of Russia, his own coffee shops have been replacing them too. Dude, honestly, I bet you they probably get some fire coffee. Yeah, who knows? And because Starbucks coffee kind of sucks, I said it. <laughs> I mean, overrated as fuck, in my opinion. Yeah, overrated, yeah, and they're also like not giving coffee. back to the world of coffee, in my opinion, not nearly enough. You know. But whatever, I might work for them one day, so I better shut the fuck up, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and another thing is that ever since last year, because of the war in Ukraine, McDonald's shut down all of their Russian restaurants, you know, and the, and now the Russians have their own McDonald's replacement called, well, let me let me look it up, though. McRoosters? It's McRoosters, where they feed them rooster meat instead of chicken, because they're just down for whatever. <laughs> yeah, so... Make turkeys? The, 
So the Russian McDonald's replacements is called. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for butchering this. It's called Kushno i Toshka, which translates to tasty. Period. Does it have yeah. a? Does it have like golden arches or nah? No, they can't use that or else they'll get sued. I was gonna say, man, they're not. They're trying to copy us too much though with this fucking yeah. tasty, tasty period. Yeah. That's awesome. They, what the fuck, bro? That should be uh, instead of but up 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 I'm loving it. It should be like tasty, period. <laughs> Mike Josh. <laughs> this guy sounds cool. I'm not gonna lie. This guy sounds like he's on his game with these fucking. Wait, he doesn't own that. He owns the coffee shops, not the fucking tasty periods. Well, Jamadi owns the. Black Star Burgers and the Black Star Coffee Shops, but he doesn't own Volskoye uh, Toshka, which is a Russian McDonald's replacement. It's owned by some Russian businessman. I wonder how many, like, American dudes go over there and like, you guys are pro-capitalist now? Dude, let me show you the ropes. And then they start catching on, and they start doing American-ass Hollywood-type shit, and here we are, 20 years I later, mean, right? so funny is that you know they really have a hate boner toward anything american or at least western and they use western inspired technology western inspired food clothing all that stuff dude even the music video that we're talking about here folks that's called best friend putin by tamati that was released eight seven eight years ago even that music video it seems so like it modeled after american culture but in russian like, don't you think? Like, I, that, I hate to say it like that, but some things you see from another country, it's so original. It's kind of like, oh, I can't even, I don't even know why they'd be showing this shit because they don't, I don't really get it. Like, I'm, I'm not from the culture. I, it's culture shock to me. But this was like, oh, dude, this looks like an American, American music video. Just like they're speaking Russian. Like they literally could have put like any American uh, English uh, music video or sound over this guy and, and the video would be the same. And it would look like an American music video. So they do model some of their baller shit after the United States. And they do kind of like some of this American sentiment. And I think, too, with capitalism being, like, implemented for the last, what, 20, 30 years in their society, it makes sense that they've kind of, like, realized why the West was the way the West was and how we became what we became. Because when you allow such, you know, capitalism, it can become cutthroat but it also can build a better economy and give you more freedoms. And once people have a taste of freedom, bro, they don't want to go back. But it's interesting because I wonder what it's really like to be a Russian citizen that's like our age, that like was born right after the Soviet Union ended and they just know this like kind of, okay, we're cool with some capitalism here, you know, let's let's increase capitalism in this country, you know. And then it starts, the ball starts rolling and they don't really know what the fuck's going on, but they see things growing in this weird way. And now they're watching music videos that like makes them want to go party and get drunk out at the bars and ride bicycles and shit and have cool cars and ride a snowmobile across the frozen lake. I don't fucking know what these guys do, but it makes these kids want to do that. And they're in a country where that's kind of not, not as common. I wonder if it really has boosted their economy because it gives people a drive, a motivation to want more. To do more. I think that's what's cool about having a free economy is it motivates people that are hungry to go get it. But it also is kind of a cutthroat after a certain point, you know. And I think yeah. that we, we way surpass that in the in the West here, I think. That's what's so crazy. And I get why 
uh, the Russian always, Russians always viewed us as imperialists because that is what we were and that is what we are and that is what the United States seems to be and, and models their their motif after. It's also crazy to me that they call it the West when really just to the East across the Pacific, there lies the United States. So I don't understand why they always called it the West, I guess because some of these ideas moved across to Europe and into the United States, oh. right? That's why it's considered the West. But really, East of, Europe, of, of, of Russia is the United States, you know? Yeah, and the thing about how they like to use the word imperialist to describe the West and the United States is that there's like some issues I have, you know, with how some people use imperial, like imperialism and stuff. Like the whole thing about imperialism is that you're like creating an empire and exerting control or conquering, you know, of your countries and building colonies and whatnot. Right. So I'm looking up the uh, definition of imperialism. It says, a policy of extending a country's power and influence through diplomacy or military force. So, yeah, I could see how people might view the United States, if not the West, as imperialistic because of how we have influenced the world and stuff. And, you know, some people like to point out stuff like Iraq and Afghanistan, you know. Including myself, yeah. Yeah, and the difference is, is that you know, while it was a mistake, don't get me wrong, to go into Iraq and Afghanistan, is that it wasn't really imperialist because we never conquered Iraq or Afghanistan or, or anything, even though we did have some military control for a while, you know, before we backed out and the Taliban reconquered, you know, Afghanistan. I get what you're saying. I like what you're saying, too. You know, we, yeah. we didn't, we weren't, our goal wasn't necessarily to take over the East, but I'll say this. I think when they went there, they, they knew that there was no shot in hell that that was going to happen, that we were going to just take over that area anyways. I think it was a hopeless, endless, forever warist decision. Yeah. And then one day we decided to get the fuck out randomly too. I feel like that was because, oh, oh something else is going to happen and we got to be ready for that. I don't fucking know. But the reality is, is I get what you're saying. We didn't conquer it, but we almost left it even worse because we went there, fucked it up and then left it to the Taliban anyways, you know? So it's almost like worse, but I still feel like it's an imperialistic concept. It's just been perverted. I feel like it's the next level of capitalism. It's hyper capitalism down to kill your own fucking people over it, down to send innocent, random, young fucking kids across the seas over here to this base where they're in the fucking middle of some crazy desert land they're foreign to to go shoot people and maybe get shot and honestly we're gonna make billions so fuck it right that's a small small cost and price to pay right if we're gonna make billions i mean we can send a couple letters to those the parents of the poor fucking 28 year old guy like oh but I feel like that's what warmongers think like. They don't give a fuck, bro. They're not the ones going and fighting. They're not leading the fucking troops into battle like the old days. Like that would be a true leader and made it through fucking war and hand-to-hand combat. Like that's not what's happening anymore. We have people pushing buttons, making decisions in an office far away from the scenario. And I think it's so easy to have that disconnect. I really do. I think we all see it. It's hard to admit it. No one wants to talk about it. That no one that these people that make these decisions don't care really about these people dying, but they don't, bro. They can't. They have to like mentally cut off that tie because otherwise business couldn't flow. They couldn't do this anymore. You know, I I hate to say it, but I feel like that itself is the hyper imperialistic point that we are now at in the States because we almost 
we want to go set up shop in Ukraine now or whatever. We want to go send a bunch of money and, and weapons to them and basically heighten the situation instead of, you know, putting water on the fire, we're, we're putting gasoline on the fire. And I think that that's clear that we're trying to push a war. I mean, I hate saying we, but those, the powers that be that need that money and need us to die for it, I think are pretty much in gear. And I don't think they care. They're probably doing lines off of fucking strippers, butt cheeks going, woo, that guy's going to fucking shoot down that drum today, bro. Like, you know, who knows, man? I don't fucking know that, but they sure as fuck ain't fighting and their kids aren't yeah. fighting. Otherwise they'd make better decisions. You know, yeah, going this- back to the, and going back to the concept of imperialism though, while, you mm-hmm. know, while it's not really imperialism since we never actually conquered Iraq or Afghanistan uh-huh. or these other places we intervened in. And some people say, Oh, you have bases in Japan. That's imperialistic. But thing is that if we actually, if that were the case in Japan, would be like the fifty-first state of the United States or something, you know? Right. <laughs> but the Japanese still have control of everything else, and we help them with our military, with their military as well, with our right. bases. But I could understand how, according to some, that we may seem imperialistic because, especially if you're someone living in Saddam Hussein's Iraq or the Taliban controlled Afghanistan. Like you see these, these men, you know, white, black in like camouflage. You might view them as invaders. Like, Oh my gosh, like who are these weird people with guns? You know, uh-huh. what are they going to do to us? Are they going to take us over? I mean, that's, you know, that's how I can see why they may think it's imperialist. Don't get me wrong too, you know? Right. Totally. Because yeah, it feels the, like that. Like, we're, maybe we're not really taking the country and, like, annexing it into the United States, but we're basically taking it over. It's still called Iraq. It's still called Afghanistan. But we're taking over this place. And you have to live in these little ghettos outside the city that you used to live in because now we live here as soldiers. Like, I get what you're saying. Like, it feels like that as a common person. If people just walked into our country and said, all right, y'all got to live in these fucking shitty ghettos right here while we fucking post up this big old base. Yeah, you know, it kind of makes you feel like that. Wow, these guys are like trying to control us. They uh, yeah. own us. They, they're imperialists. I get what you're saying. Like that feels like that, but tech. There's a technicality, right? But or is yeah. there? Or is there really? You know? Yeah. The thing is that the reason is that while we did actually topple so, 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 excuse me, Saddam Hussein's government in Iraq, and we installed like a different iraqi government is still iraqi but we still help them though so it wasn't like a total conquest of iraq or anything right no you're right though we didn't conquest it we didn't necessarily blow it off the face of the earth and claim it but i don't know man heard some wild stories some wild shit that yeah, some of those I mean, soldiers did that sounds pretty well, imperialistic to me shit that the soldiers did too though but they were like rogue actors or like rogue generals and hopefully they were punished at least for some gnarly shit they did, you know, probably court martialed or something, hopefully. Right. Yeah. Oh, and I, do you happen to be familiar with the battle of Fallujah? No, I'm, I'm a fool. Tell me more. Yeah. There is this battle, you know, in Iraq during the, it was between the United States, the new Iraqi government, and the British against Al-Qaeda in Iraq and stuff. It was like a pretty brutal fight for this town. And it was pretty controversial, too, because of some... Hold on, let me see. I'm on the battle. Yeah, 
there is okay i'm on a wikipedia article so i might be you know a little skeptical but there are numerous controversies related to united states taxes during battle including weapons used to build casualties and collateral damage yeah there was like some gnarly ass stuff that went down like the use of white phosphorus during battle and and footage of a marine shooting a wounded iraqi fighter and yeah, like this was like a very controversial, you know, battle that, you know, really changed the public's perspective on the war, you know, when it came out. And there's supposed to be a video game about this battle coming out too, apparently. Right. Yeah, no, dude, that's pretty crazy because there's always some weird shit going on that we hear about, but we don't really know. Like, I, I really like having you on because you help me and I know it helps the listener tie the geography to the narrative and to what actually happens and also like how you can look at it like literally like um, meaning like literally like you could look at it like a how it makes sense structurally and also how it makes sense propagandative wise or it just makes sense military wise like there's multiple layers this is a very complex situation just as any situation that involves war or pretty much anything but especially yeah. war is very complex. I just think that sometimes we got to call out what we see when we see it. And when we know it, we know it. Yeah. And let us not forget that we don't need to rush into a war because we're already rushing enough because. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I wanted to ask you because you brought it up earlier about Moldova, right? Moldova's between Ukraine and Romania and it's off the Black Sea, right? But it's technically kind of like it was part of the, the Soviet Union back in the day or what? Yeah, Moldova. Let me look that up uh, right now. Because, like, Moldova is, like, this kind of small country, honestly, like, but it's, I don't know, it's big to me. Yeah. But it's, like, yeah, it's... Moldova. It's a pretty small country, like you said. Hold on, I'm trying to type this on my computer so I can find it. Right. Hello, everybody. This is Tyler Colombero, the host of the Symbiosis Now podcast, as well as the host of the Cali Ag podcast, which is new. It is launching. It's ready for you to hear. Here's a little intro clip to get you enticed. I hope you can go check it out on Spotify and all the platforms out there. Check it out. Welcome to the Cali Ag podcast. I'm Tyler Colombero. And I'm the host of this podcast. This podcast will ultimately be an exploration into all aspects of California agriculture, from the crops to the land to the water. Listener, if you were not aware, the state of California provides an unquantifiable amount of produce to the world. We will feature guests on each episode that work and lead the agricultural trajectory and symbiosis within the state of California. So listener, join us, tell your friends, and tell a farmer about the Cali Ag Podcast. Okay, so I'm looking at the map of Moldova, and it is a small country sandwiched between Romania, a NATO country, and U.S. ally, and we have some bases there too, and Ukraine, which is currently locked in a conflict with the Russians. Which also is off the Black Sea. It connects to the yes. Black Sea. Uh-huh, that's correct. Just because we were talking about that earlier with the drone being downed in the Black Sea. Yeah, and... 
and you can see between you can see inside Moldova going toward the Ukrainian border it's like a small strip of territory called Transnistria Transnistria that's how it's pronounced Transnistria yeah so Transnistria in case if you're curious about what the hell that place is Okay, Transnistria is is an unrecognized country in an unrecognized breakaway country that's intent internationally recognized as home. <coughs> okay, I had to sneeze right now. My bad. Bless you, big dog. Sneeze it out. Yeah. Okay, this is the Wikipedia article on Transnistria I'm reading from. Is an unrecognized breakaway state that is internationally recognized as part of Moldova. And controls most of the narrow strip of land between the Dniester River and the Moldovan Ukrainian border, as well as some land on the side of the river's bank. Its capital and largest city is Tiraspol. Oh, yeah, it's also been recognized by only three other unrecognized countries like Abkhazia, Arts. I don't even know if this one's pronounced Artsakh and South Ossetia. But there are other unrecognized breakaway states. So, yeah. Okay, let's see. So, basically... So, none of that made fucking sense to me, but I get what you're getting at, kinda. That basically, this is not a real country, but it was. It was like a nation, or it started its own currency and everything, right? But it's not its own country somehow. Well, it's claims to be its own country, like how, you know, the Donetsk and Luhansk People's Republics in East Ukraine tried doing that too, and stuff. But they weren't recognized as real countries until recently by the Russians, and then Russia annexed those two parts of Ukraine as Russian recently, so. So basically, it's a, Transnistria is is like a is a supposed to be like a country that's not really a country, but it claims to be its own country as a breakaway from Moldova that traces back to the Soviet era. Like if you go on the Wikipedia article for this country and see their flag, it's basically they still have the Soviet hammer and sickle on it and it looks red too. And the coat of arms is still the Soviet Union style, you know, coat of arms as well. I mean, these are people, these are like Moldovans that really want to go back to the days of the Soviet Union. Okay, so that's basically what we're getting at. Like, we got some people that are, like, not even in Ukraine. They're on the other side of Ukraine, but they're pro-Russian still to this day. Versus Ukraine is, like, not with it. But there's other surrounding countries that do like Russia. They like their support. They do like their their fucking, I don't know, mostly their support, I'm sure. Like, that's what what it's about, though, right? Yeah, so I remember sending you this, you know, this article on Instagram about it, and I'm looking at it right now. That oh yeah, the reason, well, part of the reason why they want wanted to break away wanted to break away from Moldova is because you know, in that side where Transnistria is at, most people are ethnically Russian or and Russian speaking too, similar to how. You know, the Luhansk and Donetsk People's Republics in East Ukraine are mostly ethnic Russians and even speak Russian themselves. So it's a pretty similar situation. And there is even a little conflict for a while in that area after the Soviet Union collapsed. 
but it ended in a stalemate, and now you have Russian peacekeepers on that side too. So technically, you have Russian peacekeepers in Moldova, considering that you know Moldova doesn't recognize Transnistria. So you have Russians in Moldova guarding a fake country, technically, according to them, though. That's so fucked up and so interesting. Yeah, very weird stuff that happens. You know, it's the reality of the post-Soviet side of the world. Like, you know, ever since the Soviet Union collapsed, a bunch of these, you know, different countries, you know, either, you know, that were once part of the Soviet Union, fell into turmoil with civil wars and, you know, civil wars and wanted to break away from influence of, you know, Russia, some even joining NATO because of fear of Russia coming back at them, which is why the three Baltic states, Latvia, Estonia, and Lithuania, applied to join NATO because they don't want Russia, you know, conquering them again because they viewed, you know, being part of the Soviet Union as an, as an illegal occupation. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I'm also in, in this article, and recently, you know, with the whole shit that went down in Ukraine, there's some fears that, you know, the Russians might stage a provocation in Transnistria and try to invade, you know, Transnistria, which would mean an invasion of East Moldova. Which would mean closer to Europe. Yeah, and the thing is that Moldova is not a NATO country, but it is a European Union country, so we're not obligated to protect them if something like that were to happen. All these obligations, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and now there is some room, and now there is some speculation because of, you know, some shit probably going down in that side of Moldova because a Moldovan president accused Russia of trying to stage a coup against her to overthrow her and install a friendly or like and install like a puppet government that's friendlier to Russia but that never seemed to have materialized yet but who knows who knows bro we could have a blowout over there in Moldova of Russian propaganda and it just become Russia number two yeah, it's pretty similar to how to how there was a pro-Russian president in Ukraine from 2010 until 2014 until it got overthrown by a bunch of pro-Western protesters and rioters in Ukraine in 2014, and he fled to Russia. And that's what led Russia to go and take over Crimea, because they know that you know, as Ukraine moves closer to the Western sphere of influence, that means they're going to lose, you know, influence over Ukraine and stuff. And you know how the Russians view Ukraine as like a brother nation or, you know, like something very close to that, typically, even though that's not really the case. Yeah, I get what you mean, for sure. There's a lot of history there. We've talked about it on this podcast, too, for sure. You and yeah. I. Um but, bro, it's kind of crazy, and I kind of think that I finally get it. I get it. Russian people in Russia, the Russian narrative, just from a glance from the West over here in California, which is actually east of Russia, learning all this, right? I feel like if you live there, you have to, like, be pro-Western, but you can't say it, right? Because, like, Ukraine, 
voted in someone else, Zelensky or whatever, right? After trying to say, hey, we want to be more pro-Western. We had a pro-Russian yeah. president. Get rid of this guy. But then Russia's like, mm, you guys are pro-Western, but it's like, so are we, but we don't want to ever say it. But since you guys say it, we're not friends anymore. That's pretty much what I'm getting. It's kind of like you have to be a hypocrite to be a Russian, I guess, like in their society the way that it is. But I'm seeing it from the outside looking in, and I feel like the outside looking into the United States looks very similar. So do we really have such differences? Do we really hate each other that much? Do we really need to go to war all that deeply? No. I think it's just a lot of complexities and some people that take advantage of a scenario and try to make a big, big war out of it. Yeah, and the thing about Ukraine and Zelensky is that even that, that after, you know, the pro-Russian Ukrainian president was overthrown and fled to Russia, there was like an acting president and then they elected a very staunchly pro-Western uh, anti-Russian president named uh, Petro Poroshenko who served as the president from 2014 until 2019. And he was known for being like a super nationalist Ukrainian who really, you know, beefed up, you know, the Ukrainian military and had a very anti-Russian stance, which is understandable because of what happened in Crimea and, you know, and, you know, the history given, you know, between Russia and Ukraine. However, he right. was voted out by those who voted in Zelensky, who who actually wanted to end, you know, the Russian skirmishes in the east. But now, with the war ha- happening, he's like a different president now. Right. He's he was an actor, and now he's really a good actor. Right. He took it to the next level. He's like, you know what? I got to do some like. What did that shit? What what's that shit that Jim Carrey would do, where he'd just take it too far and he'd stay in the role at all hours, even off the set? This guy, he decided to do this. He's like, I am a war fucking master, and we're gonna save our country. And I and I respect that guy, but I also don't know shit. And I feel like there's been some weird meetings, some weird things said, and I feel like he's kind of a puppet himself sometimes. That's what I really think because of the things that are said, Zelensky. Oh, okay, yeah, I mean... In the sense of everyone is bought out at a certain point. Everyone owes someone else if you're operating on their territory or whatever with their funds. At a certain point, you are owned by someone or something else, I guess. You could look at it that way. So you do have to bow to certain interests and certain funding, stuff like that. But I don't know. I just feel like too much of that is a puppet, you know. And Biden's the same thing, our leader. You know, I'm not saying it's so different. I'm just saying, like, it's weird to watch these things play out. And that's just my personal opinion from what I've seen over time. Like, all the interviews and and the TikToks of him standing strong, you know. it's it's It makes you want to beat your chest, but it also makes you kind of want to look into it a little more because apparently yeah, he used to be an actor. Fresh and everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and another thing about Zelensky is that he actually wanted to end the skirmishes with Russia in the east before the invasion happened, and he even tried to talk to Putin several times. But now, you know, with the war happening, you know, he's like super, you know, pro-West, anti-Russia, and he's all saying stuff like, oh, we're not, we only talk to Russia if Putin's not around anymore and stuff. Yeah, kind of inflammatory comments. Yeah, I mean, he wants to be, he's like a symbol of Ukrainian resistance at this point. Like, he wants to look strong in front of the Ukrainian people. 
Right, of you course. Know? Yeah. But eventually, I feel like, eventually, I think both the Ukrainians and the Russians are going to have to talk this out because, you know, I, I'm sure they know that this is going to, they, they can't be fighting forever because it's eventually going to hurt them eventually. And I even heard, read some reports about, you know, um, about some of our American policymakers even trying to talk to Ukrainians about perhaps maybe maybe having a little bit of wiggle room for a peace plan and even the Chi- and and even the Chinese have have their own peace plan too, which Zelensky is indeed interested in too. So hopefully, you know, it's the Chinese to the rescue or something <laughs> to stop this war. Fuck, that's a weird way to look at it. China to the rescue, bro, what we never expected. No, I just think it's so weird that, like, uh, you're totally right. Watching this play out and, and, and seeing Zelensky be there and be this uh, face of strength for his country, it makes sense. It's something we don't have here <laughs> right now. But uh, it's also kind of alarming because in a way you just said it yourself like the inevitability here is that we're going to have to talk things out or blow us up off the face of the earth but how far are we down to go how many people are down to die how many years are down to go by until we have those those peace negotiations you know it's time i don't know what the fuck what they're doing that's why sometimes the stalling just stalling is a big part of um feeding the war you know because it's like, oh well, we can't do that yet, though. Because we need more weapons, just in case those don't that negotiation doesn't work out. Like it's like, uh, well, maybe we should try to negotiate first. But okay, let's do it that way, I guess. Because that's what we decided to do. But here we are in 2023. We're nearing April, and we're gonna find out what happens, folks, with this scenario. Bradley Gonzalez came on, our master historian, right here, to show us, tell us, and preach to us. All the goods about Russia, all the bads about Russia, all the goods about the area, the geography, and the, the complexities of the war machine that has now built an arm across the Eastern Europe divide. It's pretty wild to see it happening. We're, I didn't think it was going to happen like this. You know, I thought we were just going to be in Afghanistan forever. <laughs> now we're somewhere else. You know. So thank you, Bradley. It's all end soon, honestly. Yeah, dude. I think we're all on the same page. I'm sure the listener too is in in agreement with that. We like to get all like you know amped up and and want to have a say, but really, I think all all of us uh, average citizens in both countries, all three countries, all five twenty countries that are involved, I think we all kind of deep down are just like, dude, we just want this to like stop them and work out. Like, do we really have to keep fighting? You know. But some people are hot on it, bro. They're ready to go. Especially those yeah. warmongering people that like to make billions and trillions off of war. Yeah. But yeah, Bradley, thanks, um, thank you so much for coming on, bro. For once again coming on the Symbiosis Now podcast. We couldn't do it without you, big dog. We need some kind of voice of reason. And you're definitely that voice of reason. So thank you with all your knowledge and your, um, your well-discussed input. I really appreciate it. All right, you're welcome, dude. It's always awesome to have a chat. Always awesome. <laughs>
This podcast was created by the Symbiosis Now Network and can be found on Instagram for clips, highlights, videos, blah, blah, blah at symbiosis.now.network. And you can listen to the Symbiosis Now podcast as well as the Cali Ag podcast on Spotify, Apple, and all the platforms. Listener, be sure to tell your friends about the Symbiosis Now Network.